السلام عليكم ورحمة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد الحمد لله still continuing with a very important lesson discussing أسباب النزول أسباب النزول meaning the circumstances of revelation and uh, certain points were discussed with regards to <coughs> this particular aspect of ulum al-Qur'an and its importance uh, <coughs> with regard to understanding the uh, verses revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the conditions in which they were revealed. So one of the points that we mentioned and we concluded on and we'll recap on some of the points also inshallah um, was the fact that some t- it's not necessary that there would certainly be um, a circumstance which requires the revelation of a verse. Sometimes verses were revealed and there was no event that resulted in its revelation. Uh, for example, fi Quraysh, ila fihim So there's some uh, mention about the habits of the Quraysh of their traveling in summer and winter. So it's not necessary that every verse of the Quran requires uh, um, from the Asbab al-Nuzul or circumstances of revelation. And then sometimes, like you see before you, we have one reason for multiple ayat. And uh, we stated the incident of Umm Salama radiallahu anha, the beloved wife of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When she said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, O Nabi of Allah, men are constantly uh, being instructed to do this and they've got the virtue of doing the various a'mal of deen, where do we feature in the a'mal of deen? This is one of the narrations of uh, the sabab of nuzul, the circumstance of revelation of the verse in front of us, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then revealed this verse, إِنَّ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَالْمُسْلِمَاتِ وَالْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ وَالْقَانِتِينَ وَالْقَانِتَاتِ وَالصَّادِقِ You see, every, the, I've highlighted the, the feminine uh, noun in the verse, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the male and then the female to remind them and to remind us that the responsibility of deen in every part, whether it be in Islam, whether it be in Iman, whether it be in, in uh, obedience to Allah, whether it be in truthfulness, as-sadiqat, whether it be in sabr and patience, whether it be in humility to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether it be in giving charity, men and women have got the same responsibility, was-sa'imin, was-sa'imat, those who protect and safeguard their, their private parts, and men and, and women. And, and those who, who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly amongst the male and female. Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says He has prepared for them مغفرتن, forgiveness and a great reward. So this was to comfort the, the women till the day of Qiyamah that this is the message of Islam. Although when the instruction is given, it might seem to be addressing men, but it is actually addressing the entire congregation of the Ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad Sallallahu So this was outwardly one reason for the revelation of this verse. And then there was another narration also mentioned in the Sahih books of Hadith that um, some women came to some of the wives of Rasulullah Sallallahu and presented, posed the same question. Or it was the same event of Umm Salama radiallahu anha, and this verse was also revealed. That Anni la fastajabalahum rabbuhum, Anni la udi'u amala amilim minkum min dhakarin au untha. 
to remind and, and, and give comfort to the mu'mineen. لا أضيع عمل عامل منكم I will never allow the, the deeds of those who do good deeds to be lost. من ذكرين أو أنثى whether it be male or female. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala includes male and female. So this is an example of uh, how um, multiple verses could be linked to one particular uh, sabab, one particular circumstance. Before we continue with the next part, which is uh, the verses, are the verses that are revealed, do they have, are they specific in their context, or do we have something that can be derived from there and use, can we learn from it in order for us to not restrict the meaning to only the, the occasion for which it was revealed? Because sometimes something happened and there was a revelation of a particular verse, so does that mean that we cannot take any lessons from that verse because it was revealed for a specific event. There was an incident which had occurred, so therefore we say that this verse is only restricted to that. Uh, or is there some generality to its application? But before going into that, uh, I just want to recap on some of the, the asbab al-nuzul, the benefits of the asbab al-nuzul. I just made some notes and I thought I'll, I'll share it with you because before we go on to the next point. So the first uh, benefit of knowing the, the events re related to certain verses which had events at the time of its revelation, uh, it helps to understand, the first benefit is that it helps to understand the intended meaning of the verse. Uh, when a person knows in which context this verse was revealed, then they would know how to uh, apply its application and how it would apply if any other hukum of sharia needs to be derived therefrom. Then the second benefit, it helps to understand the wisdom underlying the legislation of a particular ruling. So, for instance, if a person understood that there's a sequence of events which led to the prohibition of khamar and intoxicants, and they see, okay, first Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says, Allah, Allah says that these people are asking about gambling and intoxicants, and Allah says, There is a great sin, but there's also some benefit. But the sin therein is greater than the benefit. So there was just an indication. Some of the Sahaba already started abstaining. And then another verse was revealed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Which was revealed at an instance when the Sahaba uh, were gathered for a meal and they, that time intoxicants was permissible and they drank and it was time for salah and the sahabi performing salah started making a mistake in قُلْ الْكَافِرُونَ he was leaving out the لَا أَعْبُدُ the لَا he was leaving out you know which changes the whole meaning لَا أَعْبُدُ مَا تَعْبُدُونَ means I do not worship what you worship now if you take it out it means I'm worshipping what you worship so that became problematic and Allah revealed the verse do not go close to salah while being intoxicated so that was the second, and eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that now, uh, that uh, this gambling and intoxicants and all the various things mentioned in that particular verse have been prohibited, so therefore abstain, it is now prohibited. So uh, the, the benefit of knowing this, the suburb and the circumstance or the sequence of uh, the, the revelation of these verses, it gives us an understanding into the wisdom of how the legislation took place in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and how the verses were gradually revealed in an environment which was totally hostile and foreign to any type of, of, of scripture, uh, let alone any type of, of culture which was uh, notable. The third benefit, um, knowing the circumstances of revelation, 
It removes any doubts or misconceptions regarding a verse. For example, there's a verse in uh, Surah Ali Imran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, لا تحسبن الذين يفرحون بما أتوا ويحبون أن يحمدوا Do not regard those people who are happy with that which they have achieved and they, are, they love to be praised for that which they did not, did not do. Do not regard them to be safe and secure from the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this verse was now recited that you shouldn't feel happy about that which you have achieved. So one person by the name of Marwan bin Hakam, uh, who was in the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhu, but he was a tabi'i, he was from the Banu Umayyah, he remarked about this verse, he said to Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas, who was the cousin of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he said that uh, it's only natural for a person to feel happy about what he's achieved, if he's done something and he's achieved it. Uh, what is wrong with him? What, uh, does it mean he's going to be punished for feeling happy over achieving something which Allah has given him and he's expressing his happiness and now you're saying he will not be safe from adab? So Ibn Abbas radiallahu said, no, no, no. The verse has been revealed with regards to the Ahlul Kitab. And he mentioned a particular instance on one occasion, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam asked the Ahlul Kitab, people of the book, he asked them something. And they concealed this information and told him something else. They, they said, okay, this is what you're asking about. And what he was really asking about, they did not give the answer that Rasulullah sallallahu was seeking from them. And then thereafter, time to give him the impression that they had provided the information that he required, and they wished to be praised that, you know, they did their job, and he asked, Muhammad asked us, and we gave him. But they didn't actually give him the answer of what he was asking. So Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu said that this is actually... Uh, referring to that particular event where they pretended to do something which they didn't do and they expected praise from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, the, so in knowing the, the, the event that occurred at the time of, of the revelation of this verse, we know that it's not something um, which discourages people from expressing their happiness when they receive a bounty from Allah. Because in fact, the, the question of Marwan is a bit strange because the next part of the same verse says, that they wish to be praised for that which they didn't do. So obviously, that is something which is not praiseworthy. If somebody didn't do something and wants to be praised for it, that's not something good. And um, many of the ulama say that if you want to know the, the temperament of, of the Ahlul Kitab, then the two surahs which we need to uh, ponder over is Surah Al-Baqarah, which teaches us the temperament and the ways of the, of the Yahud, how they deal, dealt with Sayyidina Musa salam. And Surah Ali Imran teaches us of the, of the Nasara, how they conduct themselves. So they would perhaps be generous in one particular place, but on the other side, there's something that, they, that they're doing which is causing harm to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this, the meaning of this verse fits perfectly on that, that, you know, people are harmed, and then you pretend to assist, and you want to be praised for, for assisting people, whereas in reality, the amount of assistance and support you are giving is nothing in comparison to the harm that you are. Causing. So that's one of the other benefits of knowing the context in which the verses were revealed. Then there are some signs that the scholars have told us of how, how do you identify or how would you know what is, what would these events be? Because many people could say, uh, you might read something and say this verse was revealed in, uh, with regards to a particular event. It will only be accepted in academic circles if it is based on narration from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. If they say that this verse was revealed at this particular event, that will be accepted. And um, 
Then we also have uh, an aspect of variations of asbabun nuzul. That in one, one narration you'll find, uh, uh, there's a narration perhaps in a hadith which says that this verse was revealed on this particular occasion. Another narration says uh, the same verse was revealed on some other, some, there was some other circumstances. So the ulama have adopted multiple ways to identify what is the most authentic and what is uh, correct. Firstly, we said we need to see in which context the person is, is referring to it as the first, because sometimes they're referring to, they would say that um, uh, uh, this particular thing, this event had happened, and maybe he's explaining some, some other aspect of that particular event, which is not denying the, what was narrated by the other narrator. But I'll give you an example in which uh, two people, narrate, or there are two explanations given with regards to circumstances of revelation, and one is weaker in the eyes of the scholars, and one is the more authentic, and the one which is weaker would not be considered. For example, uh, the, the verse in the Quran, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala belongs the east and the west, and wherever you turn, you will find the qibla of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what Imam al-Bukhari says and the other ulama of hadith. The, the qibla, in other words, to perform your salah. So in an authentic hadith in Sahih Muslim, this, was, this verse was revealed about a traveler performing nafil salah while riding his animal. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Umar, may Allah give us tawfiq to do this also. When we sit here on a plane, sometimes it will be good to make a nafil salah, even if it's not time for salah, rather than playing the games or watching whatever is uh, on those yeah, screens. May Allah give us tawfiq. So Abdullah bin Umar says that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was performing his salah while he was heading towards Medina from Mecca on his camel in whichever direction he was facing. Nafil salah, not, not the fard salah. Fard salah has to be performed on the ground facing Qibla with all the arkan and shurut and integrals and prerequisites. And uh, this was when this verse was revealed. So Abdullah bin Umar, his narration is mentioned in Muslim that um, this particular verse was revealed to tell us that a person performing nafil salah can perform his salah while he's on his conveyance in the car besides the driver, okay? <laughs> if the driver wants to do nafil salah, he'll have to, he'll have to rather change as the, his, co- his co-passengers to, to drive because he needs to focus on what he's doing. Because if he makes ruku, his sujood will be the last of his life, I think. So um, the rest of the passengers, they may perform salah while they're sitting and uh, uh, perform the nafal salah in that particular way. Now, we find in At-Tirmidhi, also a book of hadith, there's a narration, but the chain of transmission has uh, some weakness. Um, and the narration is that this verse was revealed about a person uh, who was unable to determine the direction of Qibla, so uh, he prayed in any direction. And his salah would have been valid. That has not been acknowledged by the, not the jurists or the muhaddithin because they say this hadith, uh, and they say this verse was revealed at this particular instance where a person was performing fard salah and performing salah in any direction. Now when you have, this is two contradicting things because one is saying that um, and the verse is about a nafil salah while on conveyance and performing salah in any particular direction. And the other one says any salah. And that hadith has got a weakness in the chain of transmission. So the scholars, therefore, they give preference to the hadith of Muslims saying that no, it is not. The actual reason, the actual time when this verse was revealed was the one referred to by Abdullah bin Umar. 
and the one which uh, the, the hadith which has the weaker transmission has not been acknowledged as a proof in this particular instance. Uh, then we have uh, also, like I just indicated to you, um, more than one sababun nuzul for some verses or a set of verses. So sometimes there's one cause of revelation for multiple verses, like the one of Inna al-Muslimina wal-Muslimat wal-Mu'minin and in Anni la udi'u amala amil. And then sometimes there's more than one cause of, of uh, uh, revelation for the same verse. And uh, there's an example of this. There's, there's a ruling. I don't want to go too much. But this time I'm trying to elaborate so we can get an idea of how the sabab al-nuzul and these things are understood by the scholars. And I hope I'm not um, going too much in, in detail. In Surah Al-Nur, there's, there's a discussion of a ruling in Sharia which is called Li'an. Li'an is uh, when a husband accuses his wife of uh, zina and uh, he doesn't have witnesses because we know how serious it is to, to hurl an accusation of zina against any Muslim. Uh, you, you need to present four witnesses. They will be examined individually, independently, and each one's testimony has to be accurate if there is the slightest a deviation in their testimony uh, or difference, then they will be lashed and their testimony will be rejected till the day they die. So this is how serious we take it in Sharia. You don't just say, oh, this person made zina, this person made zina. To talk like that about a Muslim, male or female, is contrary to the adab and the, and the akhlaq of a Muslim. In any case, uh, so that the, the, the pro procedure is that this, this man now, he feels that his wife has done this wrong thing and he accuses her. So he doesn't have the witnesses, so Sharia says, well, you will be lashed because you need witnesses. But in the case of a husband and a wife, when this uh, takes place, then rather than, in order for them to save themselves from being lashed for falsely accusing somebody of zina, they will have to make li'an. Li'an comes from the word la'na. La'na means to present a curse. So, in other words, the, the four times the husband will say that... Um, I swear by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I am not speaking a lie, I'm speaking the truth. And if I'm lying, then may the curse of Allah be on me and the wife will also do the same. And when they have concluded that, then they will be, the, the nikah will be terminated and they will no longer be husband and wife. So the revelation of these verses happened on a particular occasion. And Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah reports that these verses were revealed about a sahabi whose name was Hilal bin Umayyah. He was an old Sahabi. So he accused his wife of, of zina in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said, O of Allah, this is what he's accusing his wife of. And then in Sahih al-Bukhari, again, there's another report that these... So, so in other words, the first narration says that these verses of Li'an were revealed when Hilal bin Umayyah came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he accused his wife of doing this wrong. Another narration in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim reports that these verses were revealed when another Sahabi was by Rasulullah. Another name is mentioned. His name was Uwaymir al-Ajlani. Uwaymir al-Ajlani. And he asked Rasulullah, and this Uwaymir, he didn't, there was no accusation. He came to Rasulullah sallallahu and said, O Nabi of Allah, what happens in the case where a man finds, he enters his home and he finds this thing happening and uh, he's got no witnesses. What is he going to do? And then they say the, the verses were revealed. 
these verses were revealed. So it seems to be two totally different uh, incidents with Rasulullah sallallahu One is a man accusing his wife in the presence of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And the other one is a person merely asking a question. Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah, this is the beauty of the, of the knowledge of the scholars. They actually go into the timeline. And they, he says that if you actually um, do research, you would find that these two things happened. First, the Sahabi came and he presented his accusation to Rasulullah sallallahu And not long after that, Allah made it such coincidentally that this person came with the same question. And the verse was revealed after both of them had presented their questions. So although it was two separate uh, questions posed to Rasulullah sallallahu by two different individuals, one was Hilal bin Umayyah and the other one was Uwaymir al-Ajlani, but the actual revelation of what needs to be done in this instance came after both these events uh, happened with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Therefore both are authentic and both would be counted as the, the circumstance of revelation. There, there are sometimes, the next point. <laughs> no, no, it's fine, it's fine. The, the scholars have, have mentioned, and I, I didn't go into this, uh, which you see in front of you yet, and this is why I wanted to just t touch a bit more on this. Um, that f sometimes for the verse to have been revealed on more than one occasion due to more than one sabab. So sometimes a sim the same verse is revealed, but... Some scholars say it is the same verse which was revealed because of uh, various reasons. Imam al-Zarqashi, he writes that a verse may be revealed more than one time in order to emphasize its status or to iterate it with another relevant suburb that occurs just to ensure that people remember it, to remind them. Although it's the same verse, but it's, it's, uh, it's not going to be recited twice. It's recited once, but the second time it's coming down as a reminder of the previous revelation. And there's an example of that. The example is the famous verse, And they ask you about the ruh. What is the ruh? Say to them, O Muhammad sallallahu that the ruh is from the amr, is from the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the only knowledge you have been given is very little of what is, what is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in Surah Al-Isra. And this verse uh, is, is a Makki ayah with ijma'ah. In other words, it was revealed in Makkah Mukarramah or before the Hijrah. So the, the verse was revealed according to what the scholars, certain scholars have explained, like Imam Zarkashi, says that uh, on two separate occasions. How was that? In Makkah Mukarramah, the Quraysh came into contact with the, with the Yahud of Medina. And the Yahud told him, ask Muhammad this question. Ask him, what is the ruh? The three questions that we know of Dhul Qarnayn and... Um, uh, what was it? Ashabul, uh, of Ashabul Kahf and uh, Ar-Ruh. These three things. And this verse was revealed at that time. The people of the cave, Ashabul Kahf, Adul Qarnayn. And what is the meaning of Ruh? So this verse was revealed. Then in Medina Munawwara, the Yahud themselves came with the same question. So when Rasulullah sallallahu recited to them basically that revelation was just to remind them that we were told the answer already. You know, sometimes... The, it's not because it's a new message being given in the revelation, but it's the same verse just to reinforce and to, to show them that this was mentioned to you previously. This is the only time you would find um, multiple uh, revelation. Now coming to our point in front of us. 
Are these verses context-specific? So there are two scenarios. Okay, let me just go through what we have in front of us. We have this example of the ayah of Booty. مَا أَفَاءَ اللَّهُ عَلَى رَسُولِهِ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقُرَى فَلِلَّهِ وَلِلْرَسُولِ وَلِذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى وَالْمَسَاكِينِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ From the booty which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to his Rasul مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقُرَى فَلِلَّهِ belongs to Allah, his Rasul, and for the, the family members and the, the orphans and the masakin, the wayfarers. So, and then the, the last part is which I wish to highlight. وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ Whatever Allah, the Rasul of Allah has given you, you take. And what he has held back from you, you abstain from. مَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ What he has stopped, what he has prevented, فَانْتَهُ You abstain and stay away from it. So this verse... Originally, it's part of a verse which describes uh, the aspects of distributing booty after a battle, who, who Rasulullah would then distribute the, the booty amongst. So it refers to the spoils of war, but also used as a proof to show that a hadith are valid legal source. This is the second benefit. So the first lesson we, hear, we learn here is that the verses are not necessarily specific to the context in which they were revealed. So it's possible, like there is another verse um, which discusses Sayyidina Abu Bakr as-Siddiq which our Imam yesterday mentioned, mashallah. Atqa. Atqa, that person who will be saved from the fire of Jahannam who is Atqa. Atqa is the person with the most taqwa. Uh, the word Atqa is um, in Arabic it's, it's got Al-Atqa, it's got Alif Lam, which is there to um, indicate a specific individual, one person only. Like in Arabic, if you say rajulun, uh, rajulun means a man, and if you say ar-rajulu, it means the man, there's only one of him. Okay? So if you say taqiyun, a person of taqwa, it means that person, he is conscious of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You say al-atqa, al-atqa means al, he is the most of those people who possess taqwa uh, amongst the ummah of Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And it is also has a superlative form, which is sigatu tafdil. So it's not just taqiyun, it's atqa. Like if you say a person is, if you use the word kabir, kabir means big and great, and akbar means the greatest, okay? Saghir is small, asghar means even smaller, okay? And um, so taqiyun is a righteous person, a noble person, and atqa is the most noble and, and uh, pious. So in this verse, Allah says, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save that individual, the person who is al-atqa. So all the mufassirin say that, that al-atqa refers to only one person. And that's Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, um, because of the qualities mentioned in the verse also. So there are certain signs which only point to one particular individual. Like the verse he also mentioned uh, yesterday about the person in the cave with Rasulullah sallallahu so that can only be referring to Sayyidina Abu Bakr. If we go on a ziyarah to, to Jabal Thawr and we go and sit in the cave, we don't say, okay, now I'm also Sahibul uh, Ghar. I'm also the companion of the cave. Because the, the, the description in that verse is specific to one person who was with Rasulullah Sallallahu However, the verse in front of us, although it was revealed at a particular uh, event to describe a certain hukum of Sharia, it also gives us the indication that whatever Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has given you, you should take. And he has given us the hadith, his teachings. And this is why once uh, in hadith it is mentioned, 
Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu an, he, he reprimanded ladies who would pluck their eyebrows. Okay, this is mentioned in hadith, and there's a severe warning for it in hadith. So a lady came to him, and the Sahaba were open, so she came to him and she said, but I, I have read this in the whole Quran and I haven't found it. That it's not permissible for you to pluck the eyebrows. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu said, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what he has given you and told you to do, you should adopt that. What he has prohibited, you should stay away from. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has, has severely warned those who, uh, who pluck the eyebrows. So this is actually the foundational proof of why we need to take explanations from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and not merely a translation that we perhaps would have of the, of the Qur'an. Okay, so this is just an example of a verse which doesn't have a, a cause of revelation. Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi ashabil fil, how Allah dealt with the companions of the elephant. This was something that had happened um, before Rasulullah sallallahu nubuwa, you know, and Amul uh, fil when Abraha from Yemen came uh, to attack the Baytullah and he wanted to destroy the, the, the Kaaba and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It just merely reminds the Quraysh and the people of Mecca of his favors of how they were protected even before Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu came for them to ponder over the value of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them. And that Rasulullah sallallahu message to them is actually to enhance their, their, their qualities and their greatness, not to deprive them of anything that they, that they already uh, possess. The next part of our lesson uh, would discuss Makki and Madani surahs. These are this is what we so we see sometimes in the Mus'haf. You see in the surah uh, surah Al-Fatiha or surah Baqarah, then you see Makkiya or you see Madaniya. What does this classification mean? So, does it refer to the places of Makkah and Medina? Does it mean okay that the verses that were that we call Makki verses are the verses which are revealed in Makkah, and the Madani verses are the ones which were revealed in Medina. Um, that doesn't include all the ayat then, because there are many verses that were revealed when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was out of Medina. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was in Arafat, out of Makkah, when he was in Tabuk, out of Medina, uh, when he was in a particular expedition, there might have been verses that were revealed. So that, uh, if, just by saying that it refers to uh, Mecca and Medina, it's not all-inclusive. Because for something to be a definition to say that, okay, what defines a Mecca, Mecca verse or a Madani verse, it needs to be a bit more inclusive, and this is not doing that. Some ayat were revealed elsewhere, like uh, this verse which was revealed in Tabuk, uh, which is in, in Surah Al-Tawbah. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposed the munafiqeen and uh, the reasons why they didn't join Rasulullah in the expedition. So while Nabi was in, in Tabuk, these verses were revealed. So it wasn't in Medina, nor was it in, in Mecca. So if we say that Makki verses are the ones revealed in Mecca, and Madani verses are the ones revealed in Medina, then it would exclude many verses which were not revealed in these locations.
There is another example. Um, like in Hajjatul Wada', the farewell Hajj of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the famous verse, Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum deenakum wa atmamtu alaykum ni'mati, that today your deen has been perfected for you. Um, so, so that was in Arafat, and Arafat is out of Makkah. So if, uh, if you're going to say that it is uh, Makki versus the one which is in Makkah Mukarramah, this is the problem that we would have to f- we would be facing. Uh, do Makki verses address the people of Makkah and Madani verses? The, this is another view of some people. They say that no, Makki verses address the people of Makkah, in other words, the Quraysh, and Madani verses are the ones which address the people of Medina. This too, it doesn't include all the ayat because sometimes certain verses were addressed to Rasulullah himself directly. And yes, there are certain indications which I will mention further, which give an indication as to this would be a Makki verse or this would be a Madani verse. Those are some indications, but they are not. Um, final or conclusive. Okay, this is what Imam Suyuti and many of the scholars have mentioned as the preferred view of the Mufassirin, and that is pre-Hijra versus post-Hijra. So verses which were revealed before uh, Hijra will be will be called Makki uh, ayat and Makki verses and surahs, and the verses which were revealed. Post Hijrah, after the migration of Rasulullah, whether it was in Medina Munawwara, whether it happened in Arafat, which is close to Mecca, whether it happened in Tabuk, this will all be counted as, as Madani verses. How do we know which one is which? The first, which is the most conclusive, relying on the statements of the Sahaba. And very amazingly, um, the Sahaba they did such a great job in. I don't think in the history of mankind there have been people who documented everything in such detail. Besides the Quran, even about Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, said Anas radiallahu anhu said when he passed away he had fourteen strands of white hair on his temple. So who counts the hair of of of, of a person unless you you are really in love with that person and love that person more than you love yourself? So that's what the Sahaba radiallahu anhu did. They describe how he walked, how he talked. Similarly with the with the aspects of Quran. Imam Suyuti says that uh, amongst the revelation of the Quran, we have, they, they've even identified many verses where they revealed in the day or where they revealed at night. The Sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they, they, they were particular about that also. So, um, the verse, Inna fi khalqis samawati wal ard, the end of Surah Ali Imran. The last two pages of Surah Ali Imran. In the Khalq al Samawati wal Ardi waqtila fil Layli wal Nahari la ayati li ulil al Batil, the end of the Surah. It's Sunnah, Rasulullah used to wake up at the time of Tahajjud, he would uh, rub his blessed eyes and then recite these verses till the end of Surah uh, Ali Imran. So the Muhaddithin say that this, these verses are revealed also at night. And um, some of the Sahaba have mentioned verses which were revealed. In summer, summer verses. We're talking of Makkah and Medina only. They went further to explain that there are some, there are summer verses. Summer verses, like the verse I told you of Al-Yawma Akmaltu Lakum They say this verse was revealed in summer because Hajjatul Wada' was in summer in the time of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then there are winter verses and winter ayat, ayat which were revealed in in winter Shitai, like the verses of Surah Al-Ahzab, when the factions of Makkah. And they came to Medina Munawwara and we had the Battle of the Trench, Khandaq. That particular battle happened in winter. 
If you, if you go through the hadith, you'll see the Sahaba said it was extremely cold and Nabi Sallallahu was extremely hungry and he had two stones fastened to his belly and uh, this is how we, uh, we went and endured this difficulty. So they said all those verses in which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala described how they were given victory over the mushrikeen and Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala sent angels to, us, to assist them. Those verses are known as Shita. So in one way it's called Madani because it's post-Hijrah but it's also called the winter, the winter verses because it is known that they were revealed in the, in the winter season. Then there's some ayat which the Sahaba say are firashi. Firashi means they were revealed while Rasulullah sallallahu was laying on his bed. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And, and uh, at one stage the Sahaba used to stand guard by the door of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam just to protect him they were fearing that perhaps from the Yahud or somebody would intend to cause harm to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam because they didn't have burglar bars and security fences and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa door was a simple door or a curtain and um, a sahaba would stand by the door of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the verse while he was lying down Wallahu ya'asimuka minan nas Allah has promised to protect you from the harm of people and then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told the sahabina you can go home it's okay my Rabb has taken the responsibility to, uh, to protect me but it was revealed while he was lying down then there's some, some ayat which are known as know me of sleep Sayyidina Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu says we were sitting in a gathering and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam dozed off he, 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 while sitting he fell off into a, a light nap and as he opened his eyes he smiled we said, Ya Rasulullah, why are you smiling? He said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has revealed upon me a beautiful surah. We said, O Nabi of Allah, what is that surah? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam recited, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Inna a'tayna kal kawthar, fasalli li rabbika wanhar, inna shani'aka huwal abatar. Allah says, O Muhammad, Inna a'tayna ka, most certainly we have blessed you with al kawthar, the pond of kawthar which is the pond on the day of Qiyamah from which the believers will be drinking. May Allah make us amongst them and our families and the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was so happy. But the, the point here is that the revelation of that particular surah was while he was in a state of... And, and Nabi, his sleep is not like our sleep of, of heedlessness. He says, Tanamu aini wa la yanamu qalbi. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, My eyes might, might be sleeping, but my heart is conscious and alive. This is why Wahi comes to a Nabi even in his sleep. Sayyidina Ibrahim was instructed to slaughter and sacrifice his son. That came in a form of Wahi, but that Wahi was in a form of a, of a dream. And in fact, Rasulullah says, the first signs of my Nubuwa and my Wahi came in the form of, of truthful dreams, a Ru'ya to Sadiqa, a, a dream which, which seems, he says, I see the dream, and the, 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 when I walk outside, it seems as if that dream is replaying itself the entire day, the events of the day. So this is why Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said that, that uh, a true dream is one of 40 some odd parts of, of Nubuwa, of revelation. It doesn't mean that if a person sees 40 good dreams that he's received revelation. Okay? And um, previously I mentioned in the other lesson with the, the ladies program of Adab, the, the, the rulings of dreams is something which requires also another lecture inshallah. Uh, because it's something that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi was particular about. He used to ask the Sahaba after Fajr, has anybody seen a dream? And then when they would ask a dream, he would then explain to them the meaning of the dream. So make sure that we don't tell everybody our dreams. Um, the ulama say two people you tell your dream, a Habib and Labib. 
a person who is close to you because they would give a good meaning or somebody who understands how dreams work and they would also give you a good meaning. In any case, so pre-hijrah and post-hijrah, this is how we determine. The first would be via the Sahaba, this is conclusive. And then the second would be relying on themes, characteristics, or style. Like I told you now, the season perhaps in which it was revealed to deduce which category the verse belongs to. This would be approximate and inclusive, but it won't be. Okay, then we have the Makkah and Madini, the content. This is just some of the signs. And I wanted to touch on that, but astaghfirullah, uh, our time is uh, just flying by. So we have Makki and Madani. You'll find the verses of Makkah Mukarramah, they deal with the core beliefs and aqidah because that is your usul, that is your foundation of deen. And in Medina, you'll find the ahkam, the completion of salah. This is why for 10 years or 13 years in Makkah Mukarramah, it was permissible to talk in salah. The way it's permissible to do, talk in tawaf, tawaf tawaf in salah is the same. You require wudu, etc., except that you're allowed to talk in tawaf and not in salah. But in the initial stages of, of Islam, People could, uh, could talk and make salam. And, uh, and this is why in a hadith in Muslim, a man came to the masjid of Rasulullah sallallahu a Bedouin. And he knew that it was initially allowed to talk in salah. And he came into the masjid and somebody sneezed in salah. Okay? And um, he, he said, Ya Allah. He's giving him dua. And uh, the person started looking at him. So when they're staring at him, he said, what are you looking at? He's talking and he's, he's shouting at them. What are you looking at? I, I made a dua for you. And they started hitting on their thighs to silence him. You know, the clapping on their thighs is just giving a, a gesture to him to stop. And uh, he was furious. After Salah, Nabi Sallallahu realized that this Hazrat, he didn't know the new hukum of Sharia, that he's no longer allowed to talk in Salah. So he called him and he told him that Salah, we make the dhikr of Allah, tilawah of Quran. This is the things we do in Salah. We're not allowed to. To talk, and he said, "Wallahi ma darabani, wala shatamani." Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam didn't abuse me. He didn't reprimand me. He didn't shout at me. I've never seen a teacher like Sayyidina Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So the perfection of rituals were madani. You can see the completion of salah, the ahkam of zakah, uh, the various details of of Sharia uh, were completed in Medina. But the core beliefs and aqidah. That's why Surah Al-Ikhlas, Makkiya. The mushrikeen said, "Oh Muhammad, unsub lana Rabbak. Tell us the lineage of your Rabb." What is the, in, this, in their understanding? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed Surah Al-Ikhlas, Qul Allahu Ahad, say Allah is Ahad. If I'm going to start with that now, then the time is going to be a bit uh, not in our favor. Inshallah, next week I wish to maybe touch on this. You can remind me if I don't. Uh, the meaning of Surah Al-Ikhlas. It's not as simple as we understand it to be. Yes, it's good to know the translation of it, but the deep meaning within Surah Al-Ikhlas, because of which Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told the Sahabi, there was... I'm remembering another event where some Sahaba were traveling and the one they appointed, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam appointed as the Amir, he was leading them in Salah. And before every Ruku, he would recite Surah Fatiha, a Surah. And then before Ruku, he recites Surah Ikhlas. Qul Allah Ahad, and he goes into Ruku. So they said, what's wrong with this Imam? Only Surah Ikhlas every time. And they reported this to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam didn't say, no, no, it's haram, it's bid'ah. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, let me ask him first. And he called him. This is a lesson for us. So if somebody tells us something first, verify before you pass the hukam and judgment. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam asked him, is it true that you were doing this, you were reciting Surah Ikhlas? He said, yes, O Nabi of Allah. He said, why were you doing that? So he said, O Nabi of Allah, I love this Surah. So Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Your love for the Surah is enough to enter you into Jannah. Your love for one Surah, just Surah Al-Ikhlas. 
So this was what was revealed in Makkah Mukarramah, the core beliefs. That's why the iman of the Sahaba was so strong, nothing could shake it. And Allah described it in another verse as a, a powerful tree with deep roots in, in, the, uh, in the ground. So inshallah, we'll continue just uh, touching on this and we'll go on to the next lesson also inshallah. Um, after the particular topic that we are discussing, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept your sitting and give us tawfiq uh, to spend our time in learning and teaching the beautiful uh, aspects of our deen. So, and may Allah make this a means of our deen becoming firm and strengthening us also in the knowledge of deen. Wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.